0: This is Counter Stories, a show by people of color, for people of color, and everyone else. I'm Halili, owner of the Other Media Group, VP of Programming at Ampers, and Counter
1: Stories producer.
2: I'm Don Eubanks, associate of Dendro's group and member of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe Indians.
1: I'm Luz Maria Frias, deputy attorney general with the state of Minnesota. Any comments and opinions that I've stated are strictly my own and should not be attributed to my employer.
3: I'm Anthony Galloway, pastor of St. Mark AME Church, Duluth, Minnesota, and senior partner at the Dentros Group.
0: Conister is unplugged. Uh, what I mean, you know, really, just what's on everybody's minds. We mm-hmm. haven't gotten together in a few weeks, or I mean, we were a little off. We you know with the holidays and stuff, it's right. always hard for us to be uh, recording to get together. So, you know, it's been a minute. What's on your minds? There's a lot of stuff that's happened.
1: For me, there's, there's been quite a bit on my mind, but I suppose if I were to rank it, uh, the, one, the most pressing issue is the issue with regard to migrants at the southern border here in the U.S., where we have thousands of people who are struggling. They would normally struggle anyway to get across, uh, but even more so now with this cold snap uh, that has hit our country um, in such drastic needs. I mean, we have... Families, entire families, and young children uh, sleeping outside in in sub freezing weather. You know, we have folks who don't have access to warming houses, and if and the warming houses that did open up opened up really late in the game, it, the warming houses are are too crowded and too small to be able to welcome everyone. So you have just uh, compelling stories and pictures that I've seen of. Families standing outside of these warming houses, looking in, wanting to be warm, but they don't have access because these facilities are not large enough. Uh, One gentleman who was interviewed uh, said, I just want to be in. I don't even need the floor to sleep on. I need to stand in some place where I can feel some warmth because he was so cold. It's, It's really compelling. And of course, this is a result of Title 42, Title 42 is an effort that uh, the former president, number 45, uh, came down with, which in his mind, it was an effort during COVID to uh, stave off further infections. And what Title 42 does, it allows our government to expel uh, asylum seekers back to Mexico and a couple of other countries. Um, If people don't understand what asylum seekers are, these are people who are coming from other countries who, under international law, are really following the correct process, which the correct process is to come to your country of destination, which here in this situation, it's the United States, and the law, international law, then tells you, as an asylum seeker, that once you reach the soil, then you arrive uh, and apply for your asylum application. So they are following the law as it stands. And that's what I think is getting lost in all of this is the reports are not clarifying that asylum seekers are actually here following following international law. Um, and, of course, once they get here, the application in general, just high level, declares that they are in fear of returning to their home country because of either economic hardship, political upheaval uh, or gang violence. Mostly it has to do with fear of their personal safety. The Supreme Court of the United States recently ruled in the last week that temporarily that law remains intact, Title 42, so there is no relief for people at the border. The Supreme Court will hear argument in February of 2023, and then thereafter the court has time to issue its release. Uh, But we're talking about refugees and asylees from Venezuela, Ecuador, Nicaragua, Haiti. Uh, I I saw one today from Dominican Republic. I mean, folks are coming from all over. And the part that really, in addition to the humanity that I, I just mentioned, you know, we have a workforce shortage in this country. Everywhere you see and you look, you see these reports about workforce shortages. We have more job openings than we have people to fill them. There are so many things that we can be doing with regard to welcoming folks and that would be beneficial for our country. Uh, we could issue more visas. Right now, there's an artificial number of visas that get authorized by the U.S. government. We can lift the quotas. The quotas only apply in certain situations and in certain ways, meaning there are, there's more appetite for, uh, migrants from other countries than there are from certain countries, right? And then lastly, uh, to properly fund the immigration courts. When 45 was in office, there was a steep increase, and even before, steep increase in immigration filing fees, thinking that that would curtail the immigration activity, and it didn't. And so instead of Using those funds to increase the number of immigration judges on the bench and immigration court hearings available to these migrants, they didn't do that, and they haven't done it. So folks are waiting extraordinarily amount of time to get into immigration court to have their cases heard. Funding should not be an issue because they have more than quadrupled many of these fees. So I'll stop there. It's just been a real toll. On a mental, from a mental health perspective and humanitarian crisis that so many of us are hurting right now. And you think, to top it all off, this is the season of, quote-unquote, giving. So mm. how how does that align with that, <laughs> right? How do we show up in a way that we're supposed to show up? Or does giving only apply to certain people and in certain circumstances?
3: Well, I mean, I that... <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so we're talking about things that are on our minds as we, as we, you know, think about this coming year, and I, and I hear that weighing on you, um, you know, Luz. and I think, I think that's that's some of the things that you two talk about are, are are an issue for me going into 2023, which for for me is kind of a year of, uh, you know, I spit 2020, 2021, uh, and 2022 getting my behind handed to me with situations and experiences that are completely brand new and having to figure this thing out while being ordained and so now in 2023 i kind of got my feet under me to say so what am i going to tackle this coming year and one of the things that that comes to mind as you are sharing your reflection is is the choices and the decisions that we are now seeming to make around our public policy that's solely based on cultural, political, ideological things, not, not data-driven things. Some of the some of what you had spoken to already, right? We we are making some artificial choices that are not based on what we know about the human trends, but what 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 moves these political talking points, these cultural political talking points, right? Because if, if it was just political talking points, I could stomach that. But we're we're starting to define culture and like Things that'll last the next couple of years about who we are as a people, on things that 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 quite frankly I think are ridiculous, and that's not just specific to one political party. I think I I, I have I have concerns in that area, and part of my tackle um, is is the fact that none of those things should stop us from keeping people alive and fed. Like that that just it does it makes no sense to me, regardless of what reasoning you put behind it. It does not take a lot for us to decide to feed folks and make sure they're safe and 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 covered. We can deal with the rest later, right? That shouldn't be up for question as the sake of our political processes. However, we are continuing to make that choice. So I that's the thing that kind of resonated with me in in this in that example at the border.
0: Yeah, I feel like. Oh, there's so much going on everywhere, and like, I'm in mean, one of those situations where I, I, I my husband and I, was like, "Man, if we won the lottery, or if we were as rich as Elon Musk, or something, you know, all of, I mean, there's just there are so many things going on. You want to help everybody, and it's impossible for one person to do that. And I think we suffer from being very um, empathetic, which not everybody is. Um, you know, there's there's folks on, on reservations in South Dakota and North Dakota who are stuck, you know, because of the snow. There's 30 plus people have died in New York from this crazy weather and then now it's in the 30s and it's all turning to mush and then it's going to freeze up again and it's like this weird weather that we're happening throughout is happening throughout the world, right? I mean there's floods happening it's again like end of times conversations that I'm having with my husband, like, he's like, "Oh, <laughs> this is happening," oh, you know. Here and I'm like, "End of times, end of times." But-
3: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, do not! I got family members who will jump all over that. <laughs> these are the these are the end days.
0: Yes, <laughs> and we talked. You know, this year we 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 started talking about environmental justice. Um, mm-hmm. Thanks to Don for really pushing that on us and us having that conversation. I want to continue having that because we're really seeing that. Um, right now happening
2: all this you you know the i'm trying to tie in because this this can go all over i but i think for me it it it, uh what's been kind of weighing on me and has been for a while is is to take what lou started with you know the situation that we have down at our southern border and then you throw in our our weather patterns where where uh we've been dumped with this a lot of snow with wind and uh, a sub-zero below weather, and people are freezing all over the United States. Um, And you break that down to a personal level. And personally, I struggle every day. And I have to say, for the past week, when we've had these 30, 40 below wind chills, when I would drive around, I would notice there would be nobody in the meridians, panhandling, looking for looking for money, and now that the weather's lightening up a little again, they're starting to appear, and so the the issue for me to tie to, to tie this together with what you said, Hilly, with what you said, Anthony and Lou's, is that this breaks down on a personal level because then I drive around from streetlight to streetlight, struggling. With who do I give some money to 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 help? How do I decide which streetlight to dispense that? You know what I mean? And so, and I don't, you know, I don't know if anyone else thinks about that or wonders about that, but it
1: absolutely. It yeah. bugs
2: the heck out of me yeah. that that I'll drive by. With the Because I feel bad that I don't have enough to be able to give somebody something on every corner. And so, you know, I've had discussions with my significant other about this, you know, the other. And in my family, we talked about putting together um, some kind of little treat bag or food bag or, you know, now this winter gloves, socks, things like that with, with, with something and hand that out. As opposed to money. And then we'll even have a debate on whether or not that would be welcomed. You know what I mean? I mean, so, I mean, so, I mean, I'm just saying these are the day-to-day kind of things that kind of weigh on me. Uh, Something as simple as that. Let alone everything else going on, you know the the fact that we're still banning books and and you know and and everything else politically and culturally, you know we're in this cultural divide in this country, and and things are just kind of splitting down the middle. And uh, but th- these are day to day things, and then you see news reports of people, you know, suffering from frostbite and and all this because of the cold. So. As rich as this country is, it's hard to see that day in and day out.
3: Well, our our, our attorney general, uh, I, I will never forget one of the things that um, Keith Ellinson said when he was uh, in Congress. Uh, he had, and, and, and I don't know if it was a speech or it was a press conference, but he had made a comparison about what it would take for us to solve hunger in mo- in many parts of the world. I don't know if it was a world number, but I've heard it a couple of different times spoken to folks, and folks have had different analogies. Like, if everybody in the United States bought one less Big Mac, <laughs> um, you know, over a certain period of time, we, have, we would then have X amount of dollars to put in to, to address all these different things. I think the gist of that point, and it's been made by many folks across the world, is we have the capacity. This mm-hmm. this has been the mm-hmm. the one of the central things that have been bugging me. We have the capacity to solve all of the human need issues that are there. Now I know you know folk people make bad choices, folks are still a holes. Like we we <laughs> we can't account for all of that. But when in terms of making sure or guaranteeing a base level of survival for folks around us. We have the means. We just haven't seemed to be able to find the will. And part of it is that comfort conversation. You know, I I carry nutrient packs to your point, Don. um, And this is something that I got from um, somebody who worked in serving of poor and and, and unhoused folks. Uh, This is a nutrient pack, right? It's something that I can have, I can reach quickly to get and then hand it. Um, and not feel any kind of way about that it doesn't upset the the struggling you know informal economy that folks create in there it's just food right and i can also give money to an institution or an organization that's doing the same thing i can do all of those things right Uh, and and there's no like one answer
0: can you not do it to be on social media that's the thing is I've seen people who put together these oh, little God. packets yeah. and they're like, yeah. and I'm like, oh, my God, that's such a great idea. You know, you're you know, how great of you. And then they they <laughs> take video of themselves handing it out, you know, like, oh, give me props for doing something, yeah.
1: you know, and, 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 and that I it's don't the like. It's the savior complex. Yeah. They want to be recognized for that. So, Anthony, your point is...
3: Uh, I got a whole lot of scriptures that could back your play, but I'm going to leave that to myself.
1: (laughs) But Marion Wright Edelman, who is a former uh, CEO of the Children's Defense Fund at the national level and a noted civil rights uh, you know, uh, leader, she really encapsulates what you said, right? And her quote, I'm going to mangle it here, but it's not exact. But she says, we don't have a budget deficit. We have a moral deficit. Right. We this country has a moral deficit. We know the right thing to do and we have the capacity to do it. But we our morals are keeping us from it. Right. And the morals are there in whatever way. Right. And, and it can be attributed to both parties, as you said, Anthony, not unique to one. And it's like this. How do we have so much wealth in this country and yet be so selfish Mm. You know, and, and, and not <laughs> willing to care for people and see everyone's humanity. So I go back to, is the humanity for only certain people count, right? Because uh, if you have the right mm-hmm. skin color and you have the right uh, status in this country and you the right visibility, then we're going to take care of you.
2: Well, you but know, n- and lose it's, its I think we see it on the news. We see it on the news every evening where something will happen to a family and immediately someone starts a fund and Mm -hmm. within three, four hours, they have 80, a thousand dollars. It, it plays right in with the morality that you were talking about because we make choices between who's worthy and who's not worthy. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, and so, I mean, and that's the struggle that you know individually individually that that um many of it's a dilemma we find ourselves in it's it's you know Haley, you mentioned social media every day i could celebrate somebody's birthday on facebook <laughs> and have to and i have to make a decision to donate to their to the mm-hmm. not their nonprofit that they selected mm-hmm. to to put out there. I mean, so I'm confronted, I'm confronted with it on, you know, as soon as I opened my computer and I'm further confronted by it when I drive down the street and see individuals standing on a street corner. And then I'm confronted by it again when I turn on the news and see what terrible thing has happened to some family. And I mean, and so, it, it, you know, and those are all different cases of who's worthy and who's not. And how do we make those decisions on a personal level? Right? Can, I mean, I,
1: can I give you a quick example of sure, how yes, simple please. this can be fixed? So I've got a friend whose daughter uh, lives in Denmark and she lives in Denmark because actually, no, she was living in Denmark and then moved to Sweden. So she's now in Sweden. She moved to Sweden because that's where her um, husband is. They, they met in Denmark and then they got, uh, they were both students there and then um, they relocated to Sweden. She's U.S. born, she's from Minnesota, and he's a Swedish uh, national. So they're in Sweden, and there's a risk that she's going to lose her job because um, the employer isn't growing at the pace it should be, and so they're thinking about winding down their operations. So I was just talking to her dad, who's a good friend of mine, and get this, in Sweden, if you lose your job, you get 80% of your income for the next two years. I see all your eyeballs sticking out. <laughs> yep. That was my reaction this too. 80% of your income for the next two years. It, <laughs> so that you can then A survive, right? Uh-huh. And not become uh, unhoused or in the streets like like Don says, you know, uh, asking for for your uh, food and money at the traffic lights, right? And you can begin to plan your career and, and apply for jobs that align with your values, but also enable you to be a productive member of society.
3: Or get how retrained. How radical is that
1: for this? Or retrained, yeah. Yep. But imagine that happening in this country. Imagine how many people, right? It, well, it, it's, it, not. it's just it's not going to happen.
0: But, but so that's the
3: that's the point. That's that's the thing, Lee, that I think you were getting at when you were talking when you were putting forward that giving for show thing. It, it, it's funny as a pastor, I have to constantly address this issue because if we move too far in the giving for show portion in my own congregation, it makes it a lot harder when you sit back and you look at the data. That does that goes away quickly. It's like a rapid burning fire, right? Because it, it doesn't set the long term tradition. Of of giving and supporting the things that are needed, right? You even right now at the border, just to connect full circle, right? Uh, even the churches and nonprofits that who's who have who are in operation specifically to care for folks, they're full, right? They're filling up
0: mm-hmm. in their
3: capacity. I'm just speaking for me as a Christian person, right? Uh, 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 the first teachings that the patron person of my my own faith says: don't give for show right? As soon as you give for show, you've already received your reward, and That's that right. your pat on the back. Then you're done. Don't expect nothing else. If we're successful as clergy of shifting us to that giving in the way that many different esoteric wisdom traditions, religious traditions also speak to, you find it in Native traditions. You find it in Hmong cultural space. Mm-hmm. I was just talking to somebody the other day, and we were having a conversation around giving, and they were talking about being taught um, what giving looks like, and it's not posted on public media so that everybody can see what I'm doing in here. That's shared by so many cultures and religions around the planet, but we aren't exercising it. And that's the long giving that lets you have faith in a system to, to step up. Everybody you know, keeps saying, you know the churches should do more and stuff like that. Yeah, the churches would do more if we had a culture about taking care of folks the way Luz just described Sweden and Denmark. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure your basic needs are covered- so that you can retool and get 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 reset and look at the outcomes look at the GDP look at all the different measures and we act like we can't do it and i think it's largely because we're we're so shallow mm-hmm. that we we we've lost our, our our confidence and even our ability to do the human things
1: can I, can I add to that? Not only are we shallow, but there's a scarcity mindset in this country. Yes. The scarcity mindset yes. that we only have so much to give, right? Yes. It's not an abundance mindset. The individualist mindset that is unique to the Western society is, is scarcity-based. And there's a lot of research on this, right, versus an abundance-based. Mm-hmm. If you come from a collectivist uh, society, which 85% of the of the countries in the world are, 85%, that's an abundance Mindset. When Mm -hmm. I was a kid, we, there's five kids and my parents, we didn't have any health insurance. We were very low income. My parents refused to go on public assistance as, you know, immigrants to this country. We gave all the time, not in money, but we gave everything else. We gave away our shoes and our clothes Mm -hmm. as soon as we grew out of them, literally would see neighbors walking down the street with my clothes on, right? We would give of our time. We would give of our service. We always had an abundant mindset, even though we were really low income. That didn't prevent us from giving in whatever ways we could, which goes back to to Anthony's point that he just made.
0: And I don't think it's just with giving, right? It's like humanity as a whole. I remember when we were young and we would go to like Rainbow Foods on the West Side and... My mom would stop and talk to some Hmong lady and they'd talk for five minutes and laugh and everything. And then when the lady walked through, I said, Mom, who's that? And she, didn't, I don't know. She's, I don't know. You know, Hmong people, you know, when you yeah. see each, like you, you just have to appreciate each other being there and and getting mm-hmm. here and all this stuff. And and it, it was such a different mentality. I was just like, oh wow, my mom's really popular. Um, but it was really she's just like <laughs> greeting everybody and wishing everybody well. And I was like, hmm. That's really weird because, like, that's a total stranger, you know. But in her mind, it was like, oh, we're all just here to help each other.
2: Yeah, I can't help but think that <laughs> I'm I'm sitting here and I'm listening to our discussion. And, you know, we've touched on many different themes. and And you know me, I'm going to have to pull this back around. Because I worked in this field for years and taught it, <laughs> right? Because everything that we're kind of talking about is just yep. touching on the field of social work or yeah. in or in the care of helping and the helping professions. But what we've been da- you know, what we've been talking about in terms of of uh you know our willingness or unwillingness to distribute money here there or whatever, you know, and, and social work we refer to that because we we do have the money. The resources it's in in uh but what we struggle with is this idea when we say it out loud in terms of redistributing the wealth mm-hmm. and when you when you phrase it like that you know in social work terms to redistribute the wealth then we're met with all kind of opposition mm-hmm. and and uh and and <clears throat> in sweden they're redistributing the wealth to ensure i mean you know it's the same concept when i was Yeah, um, and that we talk about in our, in many of our societies and communities, you know, the examples that Luz gave, the same thing happened in our community. When we outgrew something, it got passed out. It got passed Mm -hmm. on. It wasn't thrown away. It wasn't. It wasn't. You know, sold. Or whatever, you know, like they hey, do. Hey, when you're sales, the it, fifth
0: sister, you know what <laughs> hand-me-downs look like, okay?
2: <laughs> See, and then for us, for us, I was the oldest, so I didn't have to worry about that for oh. my siblings, but I would get it from other older cousins,
3: ah. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it,
2: it it would flow, it would flow <laughs> around.
3: But all of those require the relationships that I am continually seeing you know, dissipate and break down. We, 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 we. I got to know what that network looks like. And I'm, I'm and as you talk, Don, I'm thinking back to the family network that made that true growing up.
0: Thank you guys for um, doing this show. And it's kind of off the cuff and unplugged as we say. Um, but I'm happy to have gone through another year with you guys. I'm happy with our relationship with Ampers and being able to continue to bring the show Um both via podcast and over the radio. So um, I'm looking forward to 2023 with you guys. Hey. I'm Hale Lee, owner of The Other Media Group, VP of Programming at Ampers, and Counter Stories producer.
2: I'm Don Eubanks, associate of Dendro's Group and member of the Mille Lacs Band of Ojibwe Indians.
1: I'm Luz Maria Frias, Deputy Attorney General with the state of Minnesota. Any comments and opinions that I've stated are strictly my own and should not be attributed to my employer.
3: I'm Anthony Galloway, pastor of St. Mark AME Church, Duluth, Minnesota, and senior partner at the Dentro's Group.
0: This has been Counter Stories, a co-production of the Counter Stories crew and Ampers, diverse radio for Minnesota's communities, with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. For a full conversation, please visit counterstories.com.